0: he stood in the midst of his his disciples and he made a covenant a new covenant with them and with us and that new covenant was that his body would be broken that his blood would be spilled that because of what he was going to do in the next couple of days is going to change the course of the planet. And we get to enter into the offering that God gave to us. We've given our offering to him. Now it's time to receive his offering to us. And his offering to us was his son. Freely gave himself. Freely, the, the scripture says he freely gave himself up. And in the same way, we have to freely receive. For scripture says, freely you have given. I freely have received, now freely give. And that communion that we have, that connection that we have because of his body and blood, because that was the payment for our sin, has now made us to be unified with God like we never could have before. That's what this moment's about. It's about your unification. It's about you connecting with God. So as the elements are are given, just hold on to them for a minute, I'll come back up.
1: White gates breathing in and out your grace. All around me, melodies rise that echo with the joy inside. So I start to sing. I can't sing loud enough, I can't sing loud enough when I'm singing for you, my God. I can't sing loud enough, no, I can't sing loud enough when I'm singing for you, my God. Thunder rolling and a brilliant light Your glory burst and the heavens shine Saints and angels stand in awe Captured by the beauty of it all So I fall to my knees I can't bow low enough, I can't bow low enough at the vision of you, my God. I can't bow low enough, I can't bow low enough at the vision of you, my God. I can hold it all inside I'm reaching for the one who brought me out of death and into life oh, I can lift my hands high enough I can lift my hands high enough When I'm reaching for you, my God I can lift my hands high enough My hands high enough When I'm reaching for you God, I'm reaching for you And I can lift my hands high enough Lift my hands high enough When I'm reaching for you My God Oh, lift my hands high enough Lift my hands high enough when I'm reaching for you, my God.
0: The Lord in the upper room took the bread and he, he broke it, he cut it open. And he said, this is my body that will be broken for you. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Do it in remembrance of me breaking myself for you. And I would just share with you this morning that in that offering that, Jesus, that God gave to us, that he didn't give us a created being, like an angel, some lowly angel, you know, like Clarence. You know, he didn't give us some just little... You guys got the reference good. Just some, some <laughs> lowly piece of something that he created, you know. He didn't give us an animal that he created. He didn't give us any of those type of things. No, no, no. He did something that has never been done and never will be done again. He gave his only begotten son. Birth from his seed, birth from himself. A part of him. And he gave that to us. Gave him to us. Because we could not get to him. And his desire for you was to forever be with him. And he knew it would take only the best to pay your way to him. That's what his body represents. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Unless a lamb is sacrificed at the altar, there is no forgiveness of sin. So as we take this, let's remember what He did for us and cherish that. Absolutely cherish it. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus, the bread of life, who gives us and breathes life into us. Lord, thank you for giving us your only begotten Son that we. Who believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life we take this bread as a representation once again of the body of the lord jesus that was broken for us so that we could stand holy full before you thank you for your sacrifice lord jesus we do this in remembrance of you Lord, as we take this cup, we know that your blood was spilled on Calvary's hill. For without blood being spilled, there is no forgiveness of sin. It used to be the blood of lambs and cows and pigeons and all kinds of things. But none of that, none of that could remove our sin. But your blood, pure, without sin, undefiled, freely given, could cover our sin, and we thank you, Lord, that because your blood was spilled, ours didn't need to have, didn't need to, and now we can walk in the freedom from sin because you've paid the price for us. We remember that, and we cherish you for that. We thank you. We do this in remembrance of you. Lord, thank you so much for this time we have together in communion with you. May we not forget the power of this moment, of being united together in your death, but also in your life. For we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to Hebrews. Thank you so much. There will be someone coming by to pick up your cups. Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to be beginning in verse 23 as a little bit of review from last week. There's a word that we're going to get into in just a few moments called the apostasy. And it doesn't mean have anything to do with the apostles. Okay, just to clarify. The, uh, the apostasy, which we're going to learn in a few minutes, is what needs to happen before Jesus comes back. And so here, the writer of Hebrews is giving the church a warning to not fall into apostasy. So basically, what we need to understand about the Word here in this section that we're going to be reading up to verse 39, in verses 38 and 39, there's very literal different translations for the Word, depending on what the Bible says. It says in my translation, which is the New American Standard, you know, the most holy Bible. It says, "It says it, yeah, the most, yes." But my righteousness, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction. But of those who have faith to persevere to the persevering of the soul. What are some other words that you guys have? Shrink back is one. Yeah. How about you, the NIV? What does it say for you? Step back. Step back. Okay. Any King James out there? Yeah. They come scared, they lose fight. Yes, that's the uh, that's the Hawaiian version, pigeon pigeon English version. I l- I love that Bible by the way. It's it's awesome. Anyone else? Different version? Turns away away is another one in the Living Translation. See, these are all ways of saying to to be apostate, which means there's a bigger word that really gives us the understanding referring to withholding or hiding out of sight because of timidity or fear. That when someone calls you a holy roller, when someone says, oh, you're a Christian in the midst of a bunch of Muslims, You shrink back. It's the same word that was used when Peter denied Christ. He shrunk back. He was intimidated. He was in fear for his life. And he forgot the proclamation that he made to Jesus. If you die, I will die. Well, within just a few hours, he was backing, backing up from that promise. The word apostrophe never really actually occurs in the Bible, but our English definition of it is basically the abandonment of your religious faith. That you abandon your faith. That you step back from your faith. And Jesus himself said, you've got to be careful about that. Because he who is ashamed of him before people, he said what? I will be ashamed of you before my father. So we have to be careful. So let's take a look at, first of all, a powerful church, kind of what we're talking about on Wednesday night. Let's take a quick review from last week about a powerful church, what it looks like, and then we're going to look at a church that has gone apostate or has stepped back in timidity and in fear. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. He begins to say, first of all, we need to hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. How many of you deny the fact That Jesus saved you. You have a testimony. There was a moment in time that you were not saved, and then a moment happened, and then you were saved. Right? There was a moment of confession. There was a moment in time when your whole world changed. You were once lost, but now I am found. I was once dead in my trespasses and sin, but now I am alive with Christ. Right? I was once, in, uh, I was once uh, caged up in my sin, but the Son has set me free. So there's, that's a moment in time. It's not an ongoing thing. You can't ongoingly be saved. We learned about that last week. Jesus doesn't keep getting on the, up on the cross every time you sin. It was a one-time deal. So you can't keep putting them up there. He's done. He did, he, did, he, did his, he did his thing. He is done. Now the question is, are you walking in that doneness? And in the same way here, we find that the church has to stand firm, professing our faith without yielding. In the literal terms, it means without tipping over, without letting outside forces move you. The scripture talks about us, to, about us enduring. Peter talks about that. He says, when you endure, stand firm, and in standing firm, stand. Do you get what he's trying to say there? Stand firm. Make a decision. I'm not going to shrink back when some people start calling me a holy roller, they start making fun, whatever. I'm not going to shrink back when they accuse me like, the, like Satan does. Oh, you're a Christian? I saw you cuss somebody out on the freeway. Oh, you call yourself a Christian. And we shrink back. Well, you know, I mean, usually on Sundays I am. Unless you're late for church. Unless you're late and you're cussing somebody out on the way of here, yeah. No, you see what I'm saying? It's easy, especially when we're around people who are anti Christ, anti religion or trying to find a way for them not to believe, especially when that's happening, for us to stand firm and be that guy or that gal. Be that intolerant person. That unenlightened person. Tells us to stand. This hope comes from what God has done, what He has promised. As he says back in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 and 18, he said this. In the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise of the unchangeableness of his purpose interposed with an oath. Do You know that you're an inheritance? That you're a part of this? You're heir to the promises of God? You're in here. The promises are yours. They're written. And they're all for you. I don't know when you're an heir of something big that's coming, you walk different. You think different. You, you are different. Okay? And in the same way, God desiring even more to show to his heirs that, that promise of his unchangeableness, of his purpose in order that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we may have strong encouragement for the hope set before us. Strong encouragement. I used to shrink back. I used to be afraid. I'm not afraid anymore. And that just because, that's only because I have grabbed hold of what he's saying about me. Ain't nothing going to happen to me when I'm doing the will of God that God does not want done to me. And I believe God wants good for me, right? And I might have to go through struggles. I might have to go through hard times. I go through stuff just like you do. But God bails me out. God takes care of me. As long as I stand firm and don't (laughs) shrink back, bless you. When I shrink back, guess what I get? Yeah. Yeah. And you get wiped out. You know, if you ever look at a football, you know, you know, football players and stuff like that, especially on the front line, the ones who make it through the line to get to the quarterback and the defense are the ones who actually keep their low center of gravity, get underneath the, the official guys, and when they start backing up, they get creamed. They get smashed. They get, they, get laid, they get run over. In the same way for us, part of standing firm is being in a stance ready to be offensive because the gospel is offensive. And I'm not talking about an offense. I'm talking about how it comes across to others. But in that offensiveness comes hope. Why? Because I'm being strengthened by his unchangeable purpose. What did he say? And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the uttermost parts of of the world that's his purpose for us and we need to step into that unchangeable purpose of God because Jesus told us that's who we are don't argue with me and say I'm not a witness of Jesus Christ I'm sorry if you telling me that you're not a believer then because you're not being obedient that's the first thing he said right it's a great commission And he told all of us to have that. Now, you might do it different than I do, and I'm going to do it different than you do, but we all are supposed to do it. Simple as that. So, don't let the evil one come and try to get you to shrink back. Because we all got problems. We all got stuff going on. And our job is to get closer to Jesus every day. And as we get closer to Jesus every day, we don't have as many problems as we did in the past. Right? Okay. Verse twenty four says, We're supposed to stir up one another to love and good works. The word really means here to provoke one another. Have you ever been provoked? What what do people do to provoke you? They ruffle your feathers. They take your parking spot, right, and you had your signal and the whole thing, right? They push your buttons. What else do they do? They call you names. Falsely accuse you. How about this one? They lie to your face. you have no idea how many times I've been in counseling sessions with people. And I just want to call down the fire from heaven. (laughs) I'm just like, take them out, Lord. (laughs) Because I I know what happened. I know the truth. And they lie to me right in my face. And I'm just sitting there going.
1: "Uh."
0: This provoking is that we're supposed to stir each other up to love and good work. Some of us have to get in the face of others and say, that wasn't very loving. I love you. I care about you. But that action wasn't very loving. That's provoking. That's stirring each other up. That's what families do. I know in our politically, geopolitically, you know, watch out, correct language and all that kind of stuff, people aren't supposed to correct anybody. Can't do that. But when we're supposed to do it from love. Because when we act badly, when we act unloving, when we act uncaring, that doesn't give a good example of Christ-likeness. And our job is to huddle together and help each other to become more like Christ. And some of us have stuff in our life that are habits and things and ways of being and thinking that aren't congruent with the Word of God. And that's not right. But we need to tell each other. But not in a judgment kind of way. In a loving way. Those of you who have children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, it's funny, Leah's a baker now. She likes to bake, you know, so she's always around a stove. I can't tell you how many times I told her, don't stick your hand in the oven. Especially when it's on. And now she's all around the oven all the time. She's got her head in the oven half half the time. You don't do that. Because I was trying to tell her about a danger, and I was trying to protect her. Are we protecting each other? Are we just letting each other go willy-nilly, however? We can't. We can't do that. Because that's not love. When you don't discipline your children, you're not loving your children. And their behavior is a reflection of your hands-off policy. Okay, You have to get involved. You have to get in the trenches. You have to try to get them to understand. But you do it because you love them and you want them to be successful. I love you. I want you to be successful. That's why I yell at you. Yeah. You know, I want you to be successful in your Christianity and be all that God has for you to be. But I see stuff in you. And I can't tell you how many times people get mad at me when I say this is what I see. You know? You can either either take that and then take it to God, which I always encourage you to do. Because I could be half-baked. Going back to the oven reference. Or I could be right, and because I love you, I want you to take a look at it. And if God agrees, then we need to change it. For him, it's more important to serve him than for you to feel comfortable. So we need to provoke each other, not only to love, but to good works, to do good things. And trust me, Like a family, like when it's Saturday and it's time to do chores around the house, you can't just lay in bed and expect everybody else to do stuff. We all got stuff to do. And every now and then, the dad of the house is going to come walking through and start pulling covers out. You know, kids are flying everywhere. They're like all over the floor. You know, know, you're not getting out of this room until all the toys are back in your toy box. You know, you're not going to be fed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chain you to your bed, you know, whatever it takes. Well, maybe not chain you to your bed. <laughs> yeah, it was a rough house, I know. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, those are what I wanted to do, but <laughs> but you see what I'm getting at. Otherwise, the house turns into chaos. You know, we can't be lazy in the house of God. We all have a role to play. We all have something to do, and we need to do it. Otherwise, the house is going to be in turmoil. The intention of the verse means to provoke, literally provoke, and potentially, in an irritating manner, to love and to do good works. To provoke each other, to not let it go. To not let it go. We should be a church that really rallies around how can we provoke one another to love and good deeds don't neglect the meeting of one another encourage one another in verse 25 you know it's talking about we need to get together we need to do stuff together you know every sunday is a family reunion pretty much today we even get a meal woohoo it's awesome i love family meals but we need to we need to gather together the world is screaming for your attention every single day there are a thousand other things you can do right now They have nothing to do with church, and I'm sure you'd love to be doing them. I would. But then I would be neglecting the Word of God, which tells me I need this. We need each other. We need to gather together. We need to learn the Word together. We need to sharpen each other. We need to ask questions. We need to do that, because this is really the only opportunity we have to do that together. And when we negate that, we say, oh, you know, I can, I can watch it on TV, I can listen online, I can do that. You miss the family interaction. And we need that. And the more, even better, like Jesus did, sometimes he took a few of the disciples away from the others and had a more intimate time with them. Like when we do Bible studies and man up and Sunday night uh, Bible study and other d- kind of Bible studies that's smaller, more intimate, we're able to be more freer, we're able to be freer with our with our heart and our questions and our prayers. That's what family's about. That's what we should be doing. We need to do that. So not forsaking one another for do that. So what does apostasy look like quickly? Verses twenty-six to thirty-one. Apostasy. So that's the markings of a good church. Let's take a look at what happens when apostasy sets in. Starting in verse twenty-six Says, for if we go on sinning willfully, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. The first thing about apostasy, the apostasy looks like deliberately sinning. Deliberately. He said, I could care less what the Word of God says about me sinning less. He must increase, I must decrease. Forget that, it's about me, it's what I feel, what I want to do, that's how this rolls. I have my fire insurance, I don't have to live it out anymore. That's apostasy. That is where you're fooling yourself. Because that's not why Christ died for you. He died so that you could have a transformed life, not just a band-aid on your life. You had a disease that was killing you. He gave his life to give you a transfusion so that your disease would be cured. And you decided to go back to your old blood and put it back in you. You are no longer healed. Now, did I just say you lost your salvation? No, I did not. The question is, were you saved? Was your life transformed? Were you changed? Because I've known people who they had, a life-giving, they, had a, they had a life-changing event with Jesus. They believed in Jesus. But yet, because of a habit or an addiction or a sin, they just could not break away. Physiologically could not break away. And it took their life. Did, were they, did they sin? Yes. Did they do it deliberately? Yes. Did they lose their salvation? No. They had a disease. They had an illness. Even a mental, sometimes a mental illness. Oh, I got to have this. I got to have it. I got to. You know, some people have that going on, and, and it takes therapy. It takes a bunch of Sometimes it takes rehab. It takes a bunch of other stuff on um, outside influences for them to break away from that. That doesn't mean they lost their salvation. Secondly, it talks about that this is a repetitive and unrepentant sinning. A repetitive and unrepentant sinning. It's, like, it's not like we make a one-time mistake. Like, oh, I, I, I sinned by mistake the other day. I just got into a situation, and I just, I just had to do it, and I'm, I'm, I'm repentant, am I'm sorry. No, no, no. This is someone who knows a situation, who gets into a cycle of thinking this is going to be okay. I'll ask for forgiveness, or maybe I won't ask for forgiveness. Because after you've done it a lot of times, you don't ask anymore. Because your heart is hard. You become hard. You can say, "Oh, no. in fact, you start to do the opposite and try to find ways to justify your actions." I heard a guy. I heard a guy one time at a conference, and and uh, he was uh, having problems with uh, his integrity, sexual integrity, and he had a lot of women. And when the when the when the guy was talking to him and stuff, he was saying. Uh, well, you know, I'm kind of like Solomon. That was his excuse. Solomon was a man of God. In fact, he was the wisest of all, and God blessed him and all that, and I want that blessing, so I have a lot of women. Uh, No, it doesn't work like that. But see, he would convinced himself. He had gotten so hard because of his addiction that he convinced himself that he was actually doing Scripture. Many people do that. Sometimes we even do it ourselves. In this context, after receiving the full knowledge of truth, it says, if we voluntarily go on to sin, God says that the truth in Scripture is this. For instance, that you're not, you wouldn't, you wouldn't attend church regularly because you don't want to feel convicted. So you're going to sin, and then you're going to begin to not gather together because you don't want to be a part of a family that is walking in holiness and righteousness and is going to provoke you to love and good works when you're sinning. So you decide, well, maybe I'll find another place to go. Maybe this church ain't quite for me. Or, or, no, they're talking too rough right now. I think I'll find one that's more politically correct and more loving and caring, more positive than the church on that. Whatever. (laughs) If this continues, what you begin to do is you begin to isolate yourself. Then next thing you know, you're going to quit hanging out with those Christian friends. You're going to quit, you know, posting on Facebook with Christian words and Christian things. You're going to quit doing all that stuff because you're going to isolate yourself so that you can be free in your sin. What you're actually doing is sending yourself into solitary confinement. You put yourself in the hole. You do that. God offers you a way of escape. The way of escape is confession. The way of escape is confessing your sins to one another. And have forgiveness and move on and get get tools and, and go to a 12-step or go to whatever you need to do to get tools to conquer what God has already conquered in you. But you gotta physiologically or emotionally or psychologically get to God's page. That takes time. The essence of this sin, we read in verse 29. For he says. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled under foot the son of god and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace what did jesus say would be the one thing that would not be forgiven blaspheming the holy spirit you know what that means what does it mean Denying him, not believing in him, not submitting to him—all three. It's a, if you deny the Holy Spirit, you deny God and Jesus, right? So you're not—you're not, you're not saved. Yeah, you're not—you're not—you're not free. And so Jesus says, if you deny, you're denying the, tr- the Trinity at that point. Oh, you can say I believe in God. Well, what does that look like? Who who what God is that? You know? It's a a made up God in your own mind. It's a God that does certain things and doesn't do other things. Definitely not this God. You know? You don't believe in Jesus. Even that will be forgiven, you, because Jesus forgave those who did not believe in him. But they had to believe in him to get the forgiveness. Spurning the Son of God means as you continue to sin after he has already set you free, means that you continue to make him pay. This is you, not on his side, but on our side. That we are continuing to make him pay for our sins. Oh, it wasn't enough, Jesus. Not only do I need you to pay for my sin, I also need to do X, Y, Z. Like there's these rules that come along with that. There ain't no rules. You know the one rule Jesus gave us to do? What was it? As, finish finish the sentence. As, as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. Was Jesus lovey-dovey with his disciples? Think about it before you answer. He was always loving. He was always loving, caring, and and soft, and and. Uh, Holding their hand, having John lay, lay on his chest. Come on, John. Go wash your hair. You smell. I mean, no. Did he? He what? He rebuked them. He called Peter Satan. I don't know if you guys, well, he said you guys have a lack of faith. You guys aren't getting it. You guys heal these, these people. We're going to heal them. Now. How long do I have to be this wicked general? Call them wicked. How is that love?
1: Tough love. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let me talk to the guys for a minute because you guys are going to get this. Ladies, you can listen in, but it probably, it, it, probably, it probably won't make any sense to you. We're out on the softball field playing softball you run around, and you go in for a slide, and, phew, and you get the big raspberry on the side. What are your choices? You're the guy who just got the raspberry. What are your choices? You, your team, your team is watching that. You slid and you made it. They're like, yeah, you know, they're about pumping you up. And then you're like, ah. Anybody got, anybody got some back teen? Ah. What? You could cry. Yeah. What, what is everybody? If you start crying. <laughs> no, there's no crying. In be- no, we're t- that's why we're talking softball. <laughs> so you're crying. Okay, you're crying. What are the guys from the bench going to say? Suck it up. Put some dirt on it. Shake it off. Walk it off. Bite the bullet. What's wrong with you, Alice? That's just embarrassing. I was playing softball one time, and this guy slid into third base, and the guy's foot was there, and he, and he hit his shoulder and dislocated his shoulder. He's laying there, and he's like, ah! Oh! And he goes, Ernie! I go, I was, in the, I was right there, we were around third base, this is where we're at. I come running out, and, dude, what's going on? He's like, ah! Oh! Grab my arm! And I just grabbed his arm. He says, and he said, pull it. Popped it right back in. <laughs> Still gets me today. i Had another guy do the same thing with his finger, and I had to pop his finger back. Uh, that and ladies putting earrings in it just like gets me every time.
1: I don't I don't know why that is. It just
0: does. <laughs> Just, I'm, 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 let me get out of that. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, pobrecito, a little bit. No, 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 no. You got to suck it up. And that was love. Believe it or not, ladies, that is love. My mom taught me that one a long time ago. <laughs> there was a tree in our yard that had two, two branches out. And she, she, the, one on, the one on the right, you could climb. Because they had knobs and all this other stuff. And and had plenty of other branches and stuff. So she didn't mind me climbing to the right. She told me, mijo, never climb on the left. Because it was too far. to get it. <laughs> Being the good nine-year-old that I was. <laughs> went up there. Looked to the left. Kind of figured it out. Started climbing. Made it up to the branch. Right when I was getting ready to grab the branch, I lost my footing because there was nothing to hold on to. Okay. Went down. Hit my knee right on the curb. Right on the curb. Poof. I am thank you. Yeah, she said that, among other things. I'm laying in the gutter. Yelling, screaming. She comes running out. You know? She goes, and she saw where I was. She goes, She didn't say, oh Mijo, let me take you, let me take you inside your yeah, in Spanish. That's so many words. What did I tell you? What? <laughs> Don't climb on the left. I go, wow, my leg is broken. Ah. She goes, it serves you right. Turned around, walked in the house. Never again. Never again. Even when I was tall enough and old enough and all that. Every time I would go to the house, i just look at that tree. Yeah, <laughs> when they sold the house. Sometimes love has to be hard. Sometimes love has to be tough. But it's for the betterment of the person. And when you go into a situation where you have to love like that, when you have to correct like that, when you have to share with your brother or your sister like that, you need to go out and say, you know what? It's a kind of the old model. This is going to hurt you a lot more than it hurts me. <laughs> 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 I mean, hurt me a lot more than it hurts you. That's what I meant to say. Was better. Yeah, that's the truth, though. But say, you know what? I'm doing this because I really, I really love you and want to see something good happen. And I hope you hear me. And we have to do that caveat with one another because it's important. Because we won't grow. We'll stay in our sin and will become apostate and our sin will increase and as that happens in a church and more and more people have that it becomes a cancer in the church and that's not the church that Jesus created and that's not the church that we want to be and then nobody believes you when you tell them about you. that's right because our actions are our actions are contrary to what we believe in verse 32 let's close up But remember the former days. How are we going to get back into fellowship with Christ? How are we going to get back into being a great church? Remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming shares with those who were treated, who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners, And accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, that which is a great reward. For you have need of endurance. So when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet in a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. If he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith in the persevering of the soul. The first thing we need to do is remember. You remember. You remember when you got saved. You remember when you were filled with the Holy Spirit. You remember when you were all on fire for God. And how you felt like you were right in in God's palm. Somehow, you jumped out of that palm. Nothing can knock you out. Jesus says there's nothing that can take you out of the hand of God except you. You decide to jump out. You decide you don't want to be there anymore. For whatever reason. So we need to remember those days. Remember those days of being on fire. And let that rekindle inside of you because that ember never goes out because the Holy Spirit lives in you and he's the one who carries the ember. Okay? Have compassion on those who hurt you. Have compassion on those who hurt you. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. I don't know specifically who he was looking at. I got a feeling he was looking At Caiaphas, if anybody to look at, that would be the guy to look at. Because he's the one who sealed Jesus' fate. And he said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. If Jesus can do that and he lives within us, he gives us the power to do that as well. Keep your confidence. Don't cast away your confidence because there's a great reward that comes with confidence. I am so impressed with this guy, but I know I don't I don't know if he's a believer or not. And but he's he's very arrogant as well. But but he has such confidence, and he's a little guy. No, it wasn't. It wasn't you. It's, yeah, sorry. it's Isaiah Thomas of the. Uh, The Boston Celtics. He's just a little taller than me, believe it or not. No, I'm serious. He's like 5'9", 5'7". I'm 5'7". He's 5'7"? I think he's 5'8". 5'8", 5'9". I'm 5'7". So he's just a little, a couple inches. He's in the trees. And he still does remarkable things in the paint. He goes in there without any fear, with confidence. He says, you can't stop me. How many of you have that confidence in the Lord? When you go to family reunions or family things, you have a confidence. You can't stop me. I'm going to share Jesus with you because I love you. My love and my love for him and his love for you that flows through me. We're coming like a freight train. I don't care if I look like little Thomas the train. I'm coming. Yeah, yes, I can, yes, I can, yes, I can. We need to have confidence in the one who saved you because he had confidence going to the cross. After he had his moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know what happened right after that? After he said, Lord, let this cup pass from me, you know what he did? He was strengthened by his father. And then the, then, then the betrayal came. Then he was taken away. That's the only way he could have endured two days of torture. No man has ever been tortured like that and lived. But he did. Because he had to die on the cross. In the same way, we need to have that confidence that we get from him. Boldness, frankness to speak out about God and be be the witnesses that he's called us to be. Then we need to endure. Patiently endure. These people are having their houses ripped from their hands. They're getting kicked out in the street thrown out of their jobs, shunned. And he said, because you did it with patience, knowing that the day is coming soon. I love it. I love what God says. He says, don't repay evil for evil. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. If I'm dad's favorite, if I'm the apple of his eye, and people screw with me, oh, oh they, they will. They will. I hang my hat on that one, because I need to, because I'm getting messed with all the time, especially out as an architect, Going, being out in the world, I'm getting messed with by everybody, and I'm just like... And I'm just like, you guys, you don't even know. <laughs> I feel sorry for them. I got, a, I got a big daddy. And finally, we're supposed to live by faith. Live by faith. This word is an active word. It's not a, it's not a one-time thing. It's, it's an everyday thing. It's a moment-by-moment thing. Are you living by faith? Because we're put into situations where we have to have faith to get out of them. We have to look for the way of escape, and that takes faith. It also makes takes a decision. And here we find that they were losing their faith. So we have to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, it says. James, the, the Apostle James says in his in his, apostle I mean his, in his epistle, he says that anyone who's a friend of the world is an enemy of God. I'd rather be a friend of God than an enemy and an enemy of the world. Because one day his kingdom come, his will be done. And that kingdom is a forever kingdom. That's the one I want to be good in. We've got to keep that in mind when we face daily challenges, daily things. But also, if we're going to be a church, that is great. That's what we need to do. So the question I leave for you today is this. If I was put in a position where I had to declare where I stand with Jesus and his word, and it was going to bring great cost to me, would I do it? If I was given the choice. If I'm standing before the the guys who are beheading people all the time. And I I was one of those guys. When they do the video camera on me and say to denounce the United States or denounce my Christianity to live, would I do that? Today's a good day to die. But even in the little things, Do we do the same? When when your friends are asking you to compromise, or compromise in business, or compromise with your family, do you you have that same thing like, hey, there's a knife to my throat? If I do that, I'm going to lose my witness. Today's a good day to die to myself and live for Christ. I hope you'll have that in your mind the next time. Hebrews 10.39, the actual literal Greek translation says this. It says, But we are not of those who cower or hide their faith out of sight, leading us to eternal destruction, but of bold conviction, who acquire and keep our breath and everlasting spiritual life in Christ. That's the literal translation of the Greek. We need to stand firm in that because you have been bought with a price and you are no longer yours, you're His. Let's be the most powerful His we can be. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word this morning. What an encouragement it is for us. Lord, may we not be apostate. May we not shrink back in the the midst of having to stand for our faith and stand for what we believe in. Lord, may we truly give you praise, glory, honor, and may we be a part of your truth to this world. Even though it's contrary to what the world believes, may we stand on your truth. May it be girded around us like a belt. And may we truly share your your word, in confidence because you are with us. Continue to help us, Lord, to not live in fear, but to live in love and in grace. And help us to grow with one another, to share with one another, to love and to encourage one another to love in good works. Help us to do that, Lord, and be the church that you've called us to be of believing on fire based on truth and filled with the Holy Spirit Church making an impact in this world. Thank you, Lord. May we continue to trust in you. Amen.
1: No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. And here in your love. Here in your love. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. Here in your love. Here
0: in your
1: love. no place there's no place I would rather be no place I would rather be no place I would rather be But here in your love here in your love no place I would rather be there's no place I would rather be no no place I would rather be here in your love Here in your love Set a fire down in my soul That I can't contain, that I can't control I want more of you, God I want more of you, God Set a fire down in my soul That I can't contain and that I can't control I want more of you, God I want more of you, God. There's no place. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. No, there's no place I would rather be than here in your love. No place There's no place I would rather be There's no place I would rather be No, no place I would rather be Here in your love So set a fire So set a fire down in my soul That I can't contain and that I can't control I want more of you, God I want more of you, God Set a fire down in my soul That I can't contain That I can't control I want more of you, God I want more of you, God Sing in your fire Fall down your fire, fall down on us, we pray. We're singing your fire, fall down your fire, fall down on us, we pray. We're singing your fire, fall down your fire. fall down on us we pray one more time singing. your fire fall down your fire fall down on us we pray we're singing so set a fire down in my soul and i can't contain i can't control I want more of you, God. Oh, I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God.
0: This morning you may need some prayer to break through. Maybe you have been stepping back from your faith and you need the boldness to step in, to stand firm. Oscar and I are going to be up here and we'd like to pray with you and for you. Whether it's that or if anything else, you have a need, a prayer need in your life. Come on up. For the rest of you, continue to worship God. Continue to give him his worth. Continue to put him number one.
1: Take these hands I know they're empty But with you they can Be used for beauty In your perfect plan And all I am is yours Take these feet I know they stumble, but you use the weak. You use the humble, so please use me. All I am is yours. I give you all my life i'm letting it go a living sacrifice no longer my own all i am is yours all i am is yours Shine it in the dark I want to tell the world of who you are And all I am is yours And I give you all my life I'm letting it go A living sacrifice no longer my own, all I am is yours, all I am is yours, I give you everything, to you I belong, every beat of my heart, the breath in my lungs, all I am is yours, all I am is yours. God, I surrender all that I am for your glory, your honor, your fame. I lift my hands up.
0: God, I surrender
1: to you. I give you all my life. I'm letting it go. A living sacrifice. No longer my own All I am is yours All I am is yours I give you everything To you I belong Every beat of my heart The breath in my lungs All I am is yours All I am is yours We're so thankful for
0: your presence here this morning, the healing, the encouragement that we receive from your word. Lord, help us to be a church that truly stirs one another up to love and to good deeds, stirs one another up to make things right with each other, because we're brothers and we're sisters, because we're your children and you want unity among your children. Lord, help us to be real with one another. And in that reality, be pliable to learn. Thank you for this morning, Lord. And we thank you for the fellowship we're about to have around the tables and the celebration of food and friends and, and, uh, and, and just uh, the conversations that we will have. Lord, thank you for giving us this morning as a family. For we praise you in Jesus' name. And all of his kids say Amen, amen. Come join us. We're going to have a great time.